This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by two former Manchester United players, Phil Marsh and Lee Lawrence, to talk about the week before and the week ahead at Old Trafford and Manchester United. Um, Phil, how are you doing? Yeah, all good, thanks, Wayne. Um, back into the swing of things now. Um, started back in work this week, so a bit of normality back and. Yeah, just good to be back to, to normal now after the Christmas and New Year. Yeah, Lee, um, we'll get to your um, posh seats in a minute, but um, how are you doing? Had a oh, good week? Good. Yeah, good week, thanks, mate. Um, no preparation today for the podcast. I've uh, literally walked through the door 30 seconds ago and turned the camera on. Um, so it should be fun answering your questions today without any preparation, mate. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. I'm not going to try and catch you out. But um, no preparation is <laughs> still usually much more prepared than what I am. Yeah, um, you know, like a bit of preparation an hour before, Wayne. <laughs> I, I know, I know. It's usually, what topics are we talking about? And then you've got your little notepad. And um, to be fair, I think most of the time um, I miss off of your notes, really, and all your preparations wasted on, on someone like me who skirts around everything. Um if you're watching live on YouTube, if you can uh, subscribe and like and share, if you can, and get your questions in and your comments as well. If you're watching on Facebook, you can do the same. And if you're watching on Twitter now, um, as some of you are, if you can comment, um, it shows up on our feed so we can share your comments and you can join in the conversation. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, if you can subscribe, if you can leave a, a positive review on the platform you're listening on, we would all really appreciate that. Um Oh, what a magnificent week. Um, the magic of the FA Cup. Wigan nil, Manchester United 2. Diogo Dallo with a first-half goal. Pretty good goal uh, from the edge of the box. Um, Bruno Fernandes with a stonewall penalty, which we'll get to. Um, United win 2-0. Um, really didn't have to break a sweat, as you would expect that they wouldn't have to against um, opposition to leagues below, two divisions below. That's not to say that Wigan didn't do themselves proud and did, did themselves justice. They had a few players who played really well. I um, thought the goalkeeper did, did a good job. Godo um, played quite well. Um, but, you know, fairly routine win for United who uh, missed a, a few chances, really. Hoyland should have had a couple in the first half. And um, I guess you might even say that's indicative of the problems that United have got, that they're sometimes not and got a killer touch to put opponents away, which we've seen throughout the season. They did have too much for, for Wigan. Lee, you were in the um, posh seats at the JJB, the DW Stadium as it now is. Um, how was it? How did you find the experience? Uh, yeah, I had a lovely, lovely day, mate, to be honest with you. I went with my uh, my brother-in-law and uh, my nephew. Um, like I said, we was in the prawn cocktail and we ended up... Um, having a free course meal beforehand, very posh and very lardy now. And as you probably know me, Wayne, that's one thing what doesn't go with me is posh and lardy now. Uh, but I enjoyed it. Uh, nevertheless, um, it was a good game. Um, didn't really learn much from, from the game. I, I think you just summed it up. We was expected to win against Wigan, don't get me wrong. We put a strong squad out. I was kind of hoping to see more of the kids, uh, the younger lads, uh, just to you know get a bit of, more of a feel about what they're about, especially you know, with a, a lower opposition like Wigan. But, you know, we put a strong squad out. Like you said, we didn't really break a sweat. Uh, disappointed 
with Hoyland. Um, I know we've we've kind of said you know he doesn't get the service, and that's probably why he's not scoring. I feel like he did get quite a bit of service with Wigan. I think the feel they got they got the ball in a lot earlier, um, and you know he, he he didn't do what he's paid to do, which is score goals. Um, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm I'm sure there's a player in there. I'm sure there's a goal scorer in there. Um, looks like he's down on confidence a little bit. I was hoping to God after he scored that first goal the other the other week that he'd kick on and he had every opportunity to kick on. Um, I think the the one where he had the header, it, it was harder to miss than score really, you know. Um, the one what come off and rebounded off his shin uh, on another day that could have gone in. I think that's down to a little bit of luck too, which doesn't seem to be on his side at the moment. Um, but yeah, that was a, for me a disappointing factor in the game that um, you know, we've, 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 we've signed him to score goals. Let's be honest, that's that's his main job at the minute. He's not doing that. Um, and that got me thinking a little bit when last week I wrote a lot down again with my with my preparation. Uh, I wrote down the potential signings which are getting flinged around um, at the minute, you know, with coming in on loan and things like that. And it's made me think, I didn't really think this last week, but watching him live um, at Wigan, it made me think we've been linked to a lot of you know, well-known names, which we have done in the past, which, you know, have, have kind of passed it now. We wish we would have gotten four or five years ago. But in the case of Ireland, Muller got mentioned. And I, I'm just wondering whether a signing like Muller, um, you know, we've been there and done that and could pass on a wealth of experience over over to Ireland, um, whether that would be a, a decent, you know, something along that that calendar. Um, is it Chopo Motang from... Um, by yeah. Munich, you know, someone who's been around the block who could pass a bit of experience onto him. I was, it's just got me wondering whether it might not be the worst thing in the world to bring someone in on loan um, who can who can pass that on. Um, apart from that, Manu thought was fantastic, especially in the first half. I thought he, he ran that midfield. Um, but he's such a young, inexperienced lad, you know. Um, every, everything he did was, you know, his work rate and everything was brilliant. The only one criticism I had of him and I don't I don't think it's a pace thing I think it was more of a Stanima thing in the second half a lad on the right hand side brought three of him um, and he gave up he, to, to, to put it bluntly he stopped running he gave up and he passed passed him onto the defender what I would have liked to have seen him have done is, it, although he, if he couldn't have got back because of his pace was carry on so if that defender held him up he was in a place there to defend but yeah. he gave up and that's making me worry a little bit is that what they're doing in training and is that what we've mentioned a few times about attitude is that what he's seeing and thinking that's okay because such, to have such a raw talent in our squad um, what looks like he's got the makings of being such a such a, a good footballer I just hope he doesn't fall out that trap <clears> of, of, of thinking that's okay um, yeah. but rounding it off mate I was satisfied with the performance um, satisfied with the team we put out uh, and on, on to Tottenham at the weekend yeah, um, nicely summed up. I, I agree with you. I thought Manu was probably the the standout player in that game um, to run a midfield like, the way that he, he's doing at the moment. Um, I, I I see what you're saying about the you know you do worry about the bad habits in this team um, when and it's never so much that they, it's it's so obvious, but it's more about um, well, the way that I perceive it is that when you look at the um, some of the senior players that we've got and, and they, you know, they fill the stats out, you know, they'll play the passes and they'll make the tackles and everything like that. But it's never about shared responsibility. You know, you can, and you can tell a team a mile off on, on shared responsibility that the ones who take the risks for each other, you know, where the, the stats don't really matter because they, they want to win the game. And it's not about, yeah, I think Maguire is a culprit of this sometimes that he'll play the pass that's safe for him and not really safe for um, a teammate, you know, yeah. you'll play someone into trouble. Um, oh, they might not even look like they're in trouble, but they'll be in a dead end, and then we have to start again. I'm not saying he's the only one. I, I think there are a few players like that, and like I said, it's not. Um, it's not so much that they go missing; it's that they have a way out, really. And um, it's, it's one of those very difficult things as a as a, someone who watches football, as someone who analyzes football, as a coach or anyone like that, it's very difficult to kind of know a trend like that because it almost becomes like persecution. You're picking on players and saying, well, why did you make that pass? Why did you make that pass? But those kind of things should be drummed out of uh, players on the coaching pitch, um, not individually. They should be like, you know, don't look 
for this option because of this kind of thing. And when you've got so many players guilty of it, you do worry um, about bad habits being picked up. That said, watching the game on television, it's a difference watching it live. And, you know, like you do pick up different things. I didn't pick up at that with Mainly Well, be honest. But um, I, I picked it up live at the game. Yeah. Uh, and I, I did watch it back on telly. Um, the, not the day after the day after that and it's not visible on telly so okay. it, 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 you do see a lot more obviously when you go to the games you know what I mean yeah I, I will say as well with Menu, um apart from that of the games that I've seen him live I don't have a concern with it right now I don't because yeah. I, if they if he's making errors and I, I'm talking to someone who hasn't played the game you guys have played at that age and you know exactly the kind of stage of development that he's at but I haven't seen you worry long term about it, but at this moment in time, I think he's seizing the responsibility. Um, Phil, I'll come to you. I've rambled on for a bit there. Wigan nil United two. Uh, we're, we're waxing lyrical about Manu and, and how well he played. Uh, what about the goals? Dallow scoring a decent goal. Rashford, who had a mixed game really, but set played a part in both goals. Um, and obviously the, the penalty with uh, Fernandez. What did you make of um, United's performance in general and the goals that they scored? Yeah, it was a good performance, as we've said. I think you know we was we was all expecting, regardless of the uh, the team that we put out to uh, to you know get over the line against Wigan. Um, I do want to actually just give a quick shout out to uh, the goalkeeper at Wigan, actually, because he was at Pilkington's with me um, yeah, yeah. about three years ago, Sam Tickle. So obviously, really good to see him. Obviously, get into the first team at Wigan and break through. He's a great lad, only a young keeper, and I think he's obviously got a big future ahead of him. He, he's a he's a top lad and a, a top keeper. So and he and he did really well really on the night. Obviously it's yeah. a big occasion, you know, playing against the you know giant in football of United. So you know to to come up and and sort of put in that performance, it was uh, it was a great uh, you know thing to see for me, especially with with obviously playing with him a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, obviously with the goals, Dallow thought it was a good finish. You know, we've seen him do that a couple of times this year. You know, he has got that in him where he can, you know, from outside the box, you know, he can he can curl a, a ball in at times. I think it was a it was a good cultured finish, really. You know, used the defender and just whipped it round him and uh, found the bottom corner. So that that was a, a good goal. Um, and then yeah, you know, Rashford, as you say, he, he had moments where you you know you thought, oh, he's going to do something and didn't quite pan out and then other times, you know, he looked as though he was going to, you know, get himself back playing into the way that we've seen sort of uh, in play last year with, you know, moments of uh, of, of brilliance. But <clears throat> I think with him as well, it's um, like Hoyland as well, you know, the, the both of them two at the minute, they're just lacking that confidence in front of goal. They're not, you know, things aren't coming easy to him. Um, there's little, you know... I, I, I actually put something on Twitter after uh, you know the the first half with with Highland because uh, I was concerned that you know is he is he going to be somebody that uh, is going to be able to score fifteen twenty goals a season for us um, and I wasn't quite sure and and I got a bit of a mixed reaction through that and I think the reason we're saying that is because yeah we can say that he's not had the service and I I totally agree with that in the vast majority of the games. Um, he's not had that regular, um, you know, flurry of, of balls coming into the box and chances and, and, you know, he's been feeding off scraps. But I think the other night against Wigan, a natural goal scorer and somebody who's, you know, a proper um, finisher would have probably scored two or three goals in that first half. And I think it's just, you know, it's difficult because you always compare players to, you know, he likes a Van Nisselrooy, Andy Cole, the, the players we've had in the past, Van Persie. And you think if they'd have played in that first half, we'd have probably been 3 4 0 up in the first half. What, yeah. what I'd say, what I'd say, Phil, um, and it's only so because I've got it in my head and I was thinking this, and it sounds really harsh. What what was the lad who come? I can't think of his name, his name's completely left me. Everybody come on loan last season from Burnley. Oh, Vegas. Yeah. He's not doing much more, if anything, more than what Vegas did yeah. in the terms of what we've signed him for. He's working hard. He's getting himself into positions, but he's not finishing, and that's what Begos did, wasn't it, last season? Yeah. Kind of thing. It's for me, on a personal yeah. note, I don't. I think he's got a hell of a lot more potential than Begos. Don't get me wrong, and he's, he, he can see he's a better player. But as a product and what he's giving us, I don't think he's given us much more than what Begos gave us last year at the moment. No, I agree, and I think, and, and this isn't a criticism of the lad, and I, and I wasn't sort of trying to dig him out because I think, for me personally, I think he's been thrown in the deep end. I think when we signed him, we needed to sign at least another striker. 
uh, as well as him to come in and sort of yeah. not put him under so much pressure. Yeah. I think obviously the supply line to him has not been great and he's been feeding on, on scraps the majority of the games. But I just, from what I've seen so far in terms of in the league, especially in the Champions League, has been a bit of a, a, a sort of a different story. Um, but in terms of what I've seen in the Premier League, which is the bread and butter, the opportunities that he's getting, um, he's sort of snatching at things. He's, he's not sort of, you know, composed and he's not sort of, you know, got that ice cool um, sort of look about him in front of goal, which, you know, that might come and, and you know, he might prove us all wrong in a couple of years. He might be, you know, flying and, and I hope that is the case. I was just wondering what other people thought because, you know, usually when you see a goal scorer, that comes natural from a young age and even when they do get in, in, in sort of positions and opportunities arise, they still sort of look the part and even if they don't score, they're doing the right thing, they're making the right decision, they're hitting it with the right part of the foot. And from what I've seen from Haaland at this moment in time, I don't really see that, um, you know, natural look about him. But that being said, you know... Sorry, just finish the point and then I'll... Yeah, that, that being said, he, you know, he may come good. He may need somebody else who's a bit more experienced to come in and, and sort of work with him and just maybe give him a few little tweaks in, in certain things. Because I think his runs are generally quite good. As a centre-forward, he makes quite good runs. He gets in the positions. I just think, you know, when you get there and you've done all the hard work, you, you, you sort of need to, you know, be, be a little bit more ruthless, especially where we are at the moment, we need somebody who's going to be putting the ball on the back of the net on a regular basis and, you know, scoring when we're on top in games because, you know, against a, another team there the other day, that could have come back and, and sort of, um, you know, bitten us on the ass if we hadn't have been, you know, out of sight in that first half. So that yeah. was just the point I wanted to, to make. No, it's a fair one. Um, Richard, great comment you've put in there. I'll come to that a little bit later when we talk about Spurs. I just wanted to let you know that we're not ignoring that. Um, it leads me on to a wider point. It's not really in the notes, but talking about Hoyland and, and his form like this, it does make me think about United as a whole. And I, I don't want to like do this thing where you always go back to Fergie and, and like the signing since Fergie, but you could like, you can use, if either of you, when I make this point, if you want to use Fergie, Fergie's time as a yardstick and say from 2013, Fair enough. Or if you want to say the last five years, fair enough. But I, I think, like, you know, on this podcast, and I think in United fans in general, we're very patient with players. You know, we give them a lot of time to sort of overcome bumps and everything like that and overcome sticky starts because it's difficult to settle at Old Trafford and, and bad runs of form for whatever reason. If You know, we I think we talked about it on maybe not last Friday's pod, but certainly on Monday's... No, we might have done Friday's pod as well, um, where United's transfer strategy has been such that um, it's not just the you know, the certain player that they bring in, it's the players alongside them, and there's never really been a complementary strategy where it looks like you're buying one player to play alongside another, so that you end up with this, especially when you sack managers, such a disjointed squad because none of the players who are playing alongside each other look like they're actually meant to play alongside each yeah. other. They don't have complementary skills like the defence. You know, remember Chelsea's famous defence. They're all bought to play alongside each other. You know exactly what they were going to do. You can mould the defence over time. But when you when you have such significant characters, and I say like you invest 80 million in Maguire, you've got to give him a, a run of years because you've spent that amount of money. But he's so limited in terms of United's profile and what United can do in terms of pushing up the pitch and everything like that. But when it comes to changing manager, he's a significant make way that's got to go and then you're moving all those pieces around again the the point i'm making with this guys and sorry that i'm rambling about it but i think you'll get to you know what i'm getting to eventually when i get there you'll know Pro i promise it'll, it'll make sense that you talk about hoyland in six months like and don't get me wrong you know i'm i'm with you both absolutely i, I think there's a good striker in there i think that you know I'll forgive him one game against Wigan. That doesn't really bother me. So if I see him over a run of games, get a lot of chances, and he doesn't look like a natural finisher, then I'll start to worry a little bit. Um, or when he, you know, when he gets that run where it looks like he, he he should be scoring more than what he is, rather than like he's feeding off scraps, the one game doesn't worry too me too much. But then I, I get back to thinking about this strategy over eighteen months. Of, of 24 months of all these players who have come in and we've said this about so many times i said oh well just give him a little bit more time it's the profile it's this it's that 
and then you give them short shrift. Um, well, some fans give them short shrift, but then you look at, I mean, we'll talk about Sancho in a bit, but the, he's a case in point. You know, like a player who you will look at and say, well, his time's been gone. Martial, who's been around for so long that he's had too many false stones and people are frustrated with seeing him in. And the point is, like, we've reached a point with players like Maguire who've been there for four or five years who you know, and this isn't being critical, like Phil said earlier, they're not good enough to win league titles with Manchester United because the evidence is there. That's not being critical. They haven't won league titles with Manchester United, so that's the bottom and top of it. They can't do it. So it's time. They've had their chance. It's time to move on and, you know, for someone else to come in and do that. And I just wonder where that line is, you know, of like how long you try a player for, how long do you say, I, you know, we've given them patience, we've given them opportunities. Because I look back at players, and you mentioned some earlier, like Van Persie and Andy Cole. Andy Cole had a difficult time settling in. A lot of people will forget that. But he still scored 12 goals in his first 18 games. He still scored five goals against Ipswich. He still scored... In, I know everyone talks about the West Ham game, but he still scored important goals in the running. It wasn't like he just flopped on the big stage. He was showing signs of promise, and he, he didn't famously didn't settle alongside Eric Cantona, and he broke his legs, and at one point in 96-97, it looked like he'd be going. But then Cantona left, and Sheringham came, and Cole became a striker in his own right, and he was scoring 20, 25 goals a season, and he blossomed into a striker. Now, I'm yeah. saying he had like two years to sort of wait out, but generally, Sheringham, slow start, but hits the ground running halfway through his first season. Solskjaer hits the ground running immediately. Countless players we can go back and say this about. You know, Varane didn't, and he was out. Two years it took him. Um, other players, Kago, a, a couple of years, and, you know, he was out. Two years wasn't... You know, that that was too long a period of time for players like that. And that was under, yes, that was under the Ferguson reign when things were better and you've got a, a proper be better barometer of success because you know what failure is. And that's where I'm coming from with, with this, guys, is like, you know, how long are we looking at for each of these players in the squad? You know, how long do you give even the better ones that we've got recently, Casemiro Martinez, where are we at with that? I mean, how long do you give this? I'm not saying to win a title because we know that we're in progression right now. But with Hoyland in, in case in point, because we're talking about him and he's the best jumping off point for this conversation, how long do you think it's reasonable? Without being, I'm not saying to be harsh on him here and to kick him while he's down and in Wait, do you, Can I just jump in there and just say, do you, know, do you know what I think it is? I think obviously because of the way the club's been for so long now in terms of, you know, we've not been at the top, we've not been winning trophies regularly, the team's not been performing as well. I think naturally as a fan base and, and as fans and supporters of, of anything, you sort of, um, you sort of tether starts to wear and, and you give, you give maybe people less time just because the standards that have been so good over the, the, the years are started to dwindle and, we're expecting, you know, people to come in and start to change the fortunes and maybe, you know, deliver a little bit sooner for the money that we're paying out. I think that probably, although it's not fair on maybe certain individuals, because as you say, you come into Manchester United, a lot of players will will need time to settle in to get used to, you know, what it's what it is playing for Manchester United, playing in front of, you know, the fans and and sort of getting used to the English game and stuff, but. I just think because of, you know, how sort of poor we've been sort of in relative terms to where we was sort of 10 years ago, that now is sort of playing a factor in the sort of timeframes that fans are maybe giving players to, to sort of hit the ground running. Is, is yeah. all I think, I think too, Wayne, just going off the, the point you made and going back to, like I said, the year that me and Phil was at the club and the year we know best under Sir Alex Ferguson, um, the game's changed massively. So when we was there, like I said, you know, the formation was four four two more or less all the time. You know, we, we we knew a system of play. Nowadays, you know, we're changing formation every day, every game. We've got different personnel. We're not giving a like I said. We, we used to sign players to complement another player. So like I said, Dwight York um, and um, Andy Cole, for example. You, you know, you, you you used to sign a player to complement a player. You see centre backs, you'd always have someone who was fast, 
uh, and maybe someone who weren't as fast but was a bit, you know, hard and, and used, to, used to match your plays up. Nowadays, because I feel like we, we don't have an identity of how we play and what we at the club at the minute. I don't think we've had that for a long time. And I think this is why we're struggling to uh, to get players in and unfit to hit the ground running. Because, like I said, one, one day they'll be playing maybe on the right, next day they could be playing on the left, next day they're playing with a, a full back, what wasn't there the week before. Then we're playing a different formation. We're rather playing two defensive midfield players, or we're playing 4 3 3, or we've got one up front, or we've got two up front. There's no, there's no continuity. You know, do you understand what I mean with that? And I think that's why players are finding it hard to come into a football club such as Man United, not have a structure in place already, not know who the job is, not know who they're going to be playing in week in week out. And I think that has a massive effect. You know what I mean? Because that, that uh, uh, for settling in. Because if you know you're playing week in week out as a striker with another striker, you know the weaknesses, you know the strengths, you know that guy's going to hold that ball up, so you're going to spin and run off him and hopefully get the second ball. You know, you know, if you're playing as a winger, you've got a striker up front who's going to like to have an early cross for headers. You know, you've already got that in before you've you've started before you started the match. If you're only getting you know the team sheet, you know, a couple of hours <clears> before <throat> the match, it's hard. It's it's got to be hard. It, you know, it's it's got to be hard to adjust and adjust to a different formation and different tactics week in week out. So I think your point's very valid um, from from our era to the era is now where. Uh, we're signing players, and, and yeah, on paper, the great players like Donny Van Der Beek. He actually was a, he was a fantastic player, and and, and he come at a time where we've, 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 he's coming in trying to play a formation in a in a team where he's probably playing it this way one place, and then the the week after he's playing another formation with another team, and it's just it's just hard. It must be hard to settle with that one. Yeah. Let, let me just ask. Sorry, Lee, uh, Phil. Sorry, both of you. Really, just a quick point on that. Van der Beek's a really good point to the one that I'm making. We signed him, and he wasn't playing from the start, so you knew within, I'd, I would say, a strong, a strong gut feeling within three months that he wasn't going to make it at the club, that he was going to already take a dramatic turnaround. And we'll talk about Sancho in a minute, but he's exactly the same. You looked at him, you thought, there's something not right with the way that this is working. And yeah, all right, people blamed Ronaldo at the time, but it looked like it wasn't working. And I wonder... How many of those gut feelings that we've got over certain players will still ring out to be true? You know, from this current squad, how many of them you look at them and think it was easy to see early on and we spent a lot of time on, on that period of time and it's held us back. Martial's a really good point because we're talking nine years, he's coming up to a testimonial and we've known from really, and I and I think this was harsh on him, but this is the level that we're talking about, that when he had his shirt number taken off of him and he was sulked because Zlatan was in, but Zlatan went in and performed and Martial didn't do anything. He didn't He didn't buckle down and say, all right, well, I'll, I'll prove myself. He just waited until he got his number back. Really, that's what he did. He didn't prove himself. And I'm not saying that to be horrible. That's the truth when we know that. And like... There's been nothing in the time that, since Zlatan's gone that would make you think, for most of those seasons, I would have preferred to have Zlatan for all of those seasons, that, you know, until he retired. You would have preferred right. Zlatan in number nine. And, and, if, and if you had Zlatan now, the, the point what I, I tried to be earlier, what, what a mentor that would have been for Hoyland. Do you know what I mean? That would have been a great yeah. mentor to keep for him to, to do. But just another one off that way, which, which has bugged me all well, for a couple of weeks now, We've signed this uh, this keeper, and obviously we both know Tom Eaton, and we both know Tom Eaton's a quality keeper, but we've signed this number two, this Bayinda. Um, how miffed must he be that, you know, Anana was supposed to be going over to the African Cup of Nations, and next minute he's going to be, is he going to be in for the Wigan game? Next minute he's in for the Chelsea game, and you're thinking, have we signed another player here? What we've not really known much about. We've signed him on a whim. They've got him in training, and is he that bad that they don't want to give him a game? It's... it's that's blew my mind this last couple of weeks. What's going on there? Yeah, it's fairly concerning, right? When he's not even had a sniff. But Anana will be, I think, he does he play Spurs and then he's gone? It yeah. would have been nice to have seen Bayandir get a game before. Uh, Phil, sorry, I interrupted earlier. Did you have another point to make on the, the rambles I'm going on? No, no. It was basically, I was just going to say, I think, obviously. Just using Marshall as an example there when you was on about, you know, Zlatan comes in, takes his number off him. Um, and then 
doesn't really show any sort of fight or any I'm going to prove you wrong or whatever. I think that is sort of, you know, the modern day footballer, if you like. A lot of these players seem to have that attitude now where because there's so much money in the game and there's other interests outside of football and it doesn't really seem to me that, you know. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The football is the be-all and end-all, which is what it was like when we was back at the club. Um, a lot of these players don't really seem to have that real burning desire to, to want to prove that they are, you know, worthy of a shirt and that they can, you know, be the one that, you know, is is what fans think and, and, and they can hit that potential that we know they've got. I, I just... For me, that that's a massive problem with not just Man United. You know, that's that's a, a sort of generational thing that's sort of happened over over time, and you see a lot of clubs struggling with this. But I just think the recruitment side of things, especially you know in the last three or four years, has been has been really poor, and we're spending far too much money for for not enough. You know, not not just straight results that come in and hit the ground running, but for for the right characters as well that you you, you sort of need to bring into the dressing room to sort of be an example to some of these younger players like as we touched on before lads like Mainu and you know they're, they're going to be top top players and if they're looking at some of these seasoned professionals and their attitude's not right and they're not you know putting a shift in in training and you know throwing their arms around and the sulking and, and what kind of an, an example is that you know to be showing these these lads that are going to be the future yeah. of the club and, and it's not it's it doesn't sit right with me um, because of what we had when he was at the club I just, I just question me, Phil, and I, I know we're, we're going over the same thing, you know. But I just question the recruitment, the recruitment side since obviously we've left the club. You know, you, you, every, every, Alec Ferguson's got signings wrong in the past. Every manager gets signings wrong, and obviously the backroom staff. But we seem to be getting it wrong on a consistent level. Not obviously with, like you say, attitude. That's a, that's the main one. They're not a Man United player because they've not got the attitude to be a Man United player. But also when you bring them in, it, it, for me, it looks like the, the, the quality's not there too. And for a club like Man United to be getting not just someone's attitude wrong, but the ability to you know to represent the club, yeah. Yeah. It's, for me, it's it's more than questionable. I, it, I think I don't know whether you agree with me, but I think we start with with the recruitment side of things. I think we start we we need to start looking a little bit more closer to home. Some of these players that are playing in the Premier League on a regular basis, and some of the players. I mean, I could name three or four off the top of my head now. And I would look at them and I'd say, have they got the right attitude to play for Man United? Yes. Have they got the quality? Yeah. And they've got a bigger potential to sort of come to the club and, and sort of kick on and do even better, you know, with better players. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 for me, we're, we're sort of bringing in players that, are, okay, you can you can look at the highlights on YouTube and they've, they've got great, you know, compilations and stuff. But when they actually come into the training ground and through the doors, are you going to be able to look at them and think, right, you know, when we're away and it's time to, the chips are down, are these going to be, you know, lads that are going to put a shift in, fight for the badge, cover your mate? And I, I'm not convinced that we, we are bringing the right players in. Yeah, you know, there's, players, there's players in the Premier League like Neto for Wolves. I would bring him in in a heartbeat. And, I was and just going to say that, mate. I was just going to say that, honestly. I was just going to yeah, say, yeah. I've seen so many people getting it up with Elise at the minute about Crystal Palace. Let's get Elise, let's get Elise. And I'm thinking to myself, if it was down to me, I wouldn't be going for Elise because I feel like we'd be making the same mistakes when we went for Zaha, for example. Mm. I feel like yeah. you bring I would, that example. I was just got it written down here from last week. I would bring in Neto seven days a week, and you wouldn't, and, and you wouldn't have to pay. You wouldn't have to pay like obviously we've brought in Anthony, and and paid well over the odds for him. And you could you could get Neto from Wolves for probably twenty five, thirty million. Yeah, and you know you're getting a proven quality Premier League player, hundred yeah. percent. That that's just obviously 
my opinion. Listen, fans might disagree with that or whatever, but everyone has done. But I think start looking at people who play in the Premier League on a week week in, week in yeah, basis. Yeah. Yeah. Are they performing at the club? Have they got the right attitude? Do they look like they can come into a club and, and get themselves to a, another level, you know, playing with better players? There's far far more players around than you'd think. Like obviously in in the in the in the lower uh, end of the, the Premier League, which I think would do a better job than than a lot of these signings we've yeah, brought in. I agree, man. I agree. I think the one of the things in there as well is the hunger for players in the lower reaches of that. They they seem to have a lot more hunger to prove themselves. I, I do like Elise. I think he's got a little bit more about him than what Zahar. Had, but but yeah, Neto's a really good shout. Um, Patrick, evening, my friend. He normally watches the Monday morning pod, so good for you to be with a Friday night. But I think I've seen that said that two or three nights, haven't I? So um, maybe you're with us um, on, on all of the pods live. Um, he says, I would persist with Hoyland. However, I would look to acquire additional goals into the team. The scouts aren't dependent on Nunes for goals. Oh, good grief. Good, you know. Good job as well, considering how poor he was um, at Arsenal last week. Jota, got. Po, um, Gapko, is it Gapko? Gapko, yes, and Salah can score Arsenal similar, yeah, of course. So we need to spread the goals around. And see. I totally agree with that. To be fair, I do think we need another another striker massively in the market. Whether I think like last year, in January or not. Yeah, sorry, I think last year we got away with it because of how, how many scored by exactly. Rashford. You know what I mean? Rashford did a, a purple patch, and he was he was pulling us out of the fire, but. You know, when you mention other teams like Arsenal, they, they share the goals around Saka, Martinelli, uh, Jesus, Odegaard. I think, you know, he's just mentioned Liverpool. Salah's obviously a consistent goal scorer for them. But for us, you know, at the minute, especially, we haven't got anyone who's, you know, a regular income, a regular source of goals. So that is why, obviously, Hoyland is going to get a lot of the, the sort of stick and a lot of the limelight because he's been brought in to sort of, be our uh, main source of goals, and and obviously one goal in fifteen in the league isn't isn't great reading. Um, we, we haven't got another striker, so. have we? When you look at it, no, we, no. You, you have to you have to go down to is it Joe Hughill? Joe might be going alone as well. Yeah, he's another an out striker. Apart from that, who else have we got? We've got mm-hmm. like Zemerciali. We've all kind of forgot about now. But we haven't got no other strikers. Yeah, it's for me that's crazy. In in the first team squad of Man United, yeah. to only have one striker who's yeah. twenty year old, who's got no experience in the Premier League, who's yeah. not really got much experience anywhere really because he didn't have that yeah. long in Italy. For that to be our main striker without a backup, and that's me going back to the beginning of the podcast. I feel like we do need to bring someone in with a bit of experience. Massively, it would be better to have well, Premier League experience. Don't get me wrong, but I think it would help the kid out massively. Massively. Well, I said that because I said that's why I think he's got. A lot of pressure on him, and he's and he's been through in the deep end because, as you say, he was injured when he first come in. He's not got the experience really to be coming in and sort of hitting the ground running. And you know, we definitely need another striker to, to sort of share the workload and and sort of for him to learn off ideally because he is only a young kid yeah. and he has got potential to to improve. But he's just not got anyone really at the minute to to sort of rub off and and, and look at and learn from. So, well, I do feel for him in that way. This is um, a good point about Sancho um, and talking about strikers. I mean, the other point is with Tenog, with the system that we're playing with, the players that we've got hasn't always worked, right? You know, Rashford can't go through the middle. So when Hoyland's not there, what do you do? Um, Patrick has said about Sancho, and we'll talk about him now. He says, Sancho is a curious one. Ollie told the Athletic, the scouting department said he'd solve the right-wing issue, which is right, that's what he was brought in to do. And he arrived and he played on the left straight away, which is right. Um, well, left. Seriously, what happened to due diligence? But the other thing, not forget about that, because, I mean, that was three years ago or two and a half years ago. Now, go back a year and a half, and he was playing false nine in the summer. You know, he, and, and he actually, do you know what? He, he wasn't doing a bad job in there. I'm not saying he was brilliant, but if you looked at that system, now the United have got, and you wanted to say, oh, do you know what? Take Hoyland out for a run of games, but you want to see something different. And you look at the players, look at Rashford, look at Garnacho, look at the players who play that kind of way. There's a very good sort of explanation that says Sancho could play a false nine in there because then you're allowing Rashford and Garnacho that kind of space and Sancho can move around. However, there's no Jaden Sancho because he didn't say sorry for 
um, the discipline issues at the start of the season, which left him out of the squad, uh, which caused this divide, which um, has left him in exile for three months. And he's joined, rejoined Borussia Dortmund on loan, who are going to be playing, paying all of his wages. So United will save, I think, approximately £6 million, pounds, uh, which could alleviate the opportunity to um, sign someone on loan. It might not. Either way, Jadon Sancho's gone. The bump that we'll be taking on him is going to be similar to, um, well, the other players that you, you don't want to even think about at the moment. But Sancho's definitely one where the value is um, dropping exponentially. And that's even if Dortmund wants to take him back on a permanent basis. They're saying that welcome home right now. But will they be saying that in the summer? Will they be looking to negotiate those prices and everything. He's got number 10. They're quite happy to have him back. Jaden looks quite happy to be there. Just feels like a massive, colossal waste of something, an opportunity for club, for player. Um, I think United have been very fair with him. You know, They gave him time off last year. Um, fans have given him a chance to settle when his form has never looked good. He's never really seen like the sort of player who who would fit into United because we thought we are getting the winger who was capable of dribbling and, and darting past players who showed like that in the Bundesliga. But United, he was stop and start. He couldn't run past players. He was moving into space very well, but he couldn't actually move with the ball as well as what we believed he could. And that had a massive issue when it came to the way that we played because we already have players like that and not enough players who are good at the movement. <laughs> They're very good at stopping and passing the ball, but not moving to actually receive it. Um, Jaden, unfortunately, became one of those, swallowed in the system because he didn't play on the right and we needed another right on that side of player. Greenwood initially stepped up to to be that player and Sancho and Rashford were fighting it out on that side at Martial and then Ronaldo when we signed him. So we had an abundance of players there. And then, obviously, Anthony came in. Um, Sancho, Phil, what do you make of it? Yeah, again, I think, you know, I said, I said it before, I think it's a sort of um, a generational thing. I think with him, he, he's sort of, um, you know, attitude has, has sort of um, been of, been blatant for everyone to see, really, with, with the way he's acted. Um, yeah, you know, some people might agree with, you know, the, the way that he was treated probably wasn't ideal. But again, the manager's come in, he's had a lot of issues to deal with. Um, he's had a lot of high-profile cases. He's he's sort of come in and put that discipline um, throughout the squad, which was which was great to see, refreshing, because uh, we've we've needed that for for a long time. Um, and for me, it's just about sometimes you, do, you you know at a club, you know as a as a player, you, you you step out of line, you might you might make a mistake, you might do something where you need to just man up and, and apologize and and sort of you know, work even harder then to, to sort of prove a point that, you know, you you sort of uh, sorry for what's happened and you want to prove to the fans that you, you, you sort of can, you know, overcome that little bit of adversity. And for me, I don't think Jaden Sancho strikes me as that kind of person. I think he's he's been quite happy to, you know, keep getting his money and, and doing these sort of like personalised programmes uh, with, within the club that I've, I've read he's not been sort of attending that much. Um, so, Again, you know that this all stems down to the recruitment side of things. You know, Sancho, yeah, looked really good in the Bundesliga. You know, playing really well. Um, we thought we'd, you know, bring him in and he'd, he'd sort of, you know, transform our team and, and be somebody who would, who would be exciting and you know, beating players, getting balls into the box, scoring goals, assists, and and it's just not not panned out at all. Um, and again, that that. You know, sometimes you, you can be a little bit unlucky when when you make a signing, and you can you can you know have all the best interests. He can look the part. He can you know speak well. He, he, he has the right sort of um, you know attributes when when you're looking at a player profile. But for me, I, I just you know it, it it's just not worked at all. It's been it's been a shocking uh, another another shocking uh, signing that just hasn't hasn't worked out. And I think for me now, it, I, I don't think he would be welcome back at the club even if he. If he went to Dortmund and and you know refound himself and and sort of you know started playing really well like we know he can, I don't think that you know the United fans would uh, tolerate the the sort of 
way he's gone about it and, and sort of everything that's followed him, him sort of, you know, leaving and going back to Dortmund. So, again, it's a another massive uh, hit that we're, we're going to probably have to take um, when he when he does finally leave, if he does come back on loan. Yeah, it's, um, it's a tough one. Dan, um, evening Dan, hope you're doing well, mate. He says, I suspect he will go back to Dortmund in a permanent transfer in the summer in a cut price deal. Yeah, but I mean that's that's the um that's thing, part, whether they can afford that. Um well I say afford it, whether they'll offer, you know, and and how much at that point, you know, like Donny van der Beek, three or four million pound. Um if we wanted to move Anthony on, what are we gonna get back for him? It, it like Pogba went for free and yeah, you're right, you can talk about right, twenty quid. Um <laughs> For San- well, I don't know if that's what we got for Van der Beek or what we can expect for Sancho. Um, Lee combined, oh. I think. <laughs> combined. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, they both went to the Bundesliga. Um, Lee, what, what do you reckon of um, this? Uh, it's disappointing, right? I mean, we he was backed by the club. Nobody can say that he wasn't, and they they gave him. You know, the manager, this manager, gave him back in. Like, allowed him to have a lot of time off. I think in a matter of discipline, even if you're a player, right? If you're a player and you're faced with a situation where you've got to say sorry or you want the manager to say sorry to you, do you really want to be? And I'm talking like, say, if, if you've got a teammate, like, say, Phil has done a Jaden, right? You're in the same dressing room. Phil's done a Jaden and he's saying to all the lads, if the manager doesn't say sorry to me, you know, that's it. And the manager wants him to say sorry. Do you want to be in a dressing room where the manager apologises to a player over a matter of discipline? Uh, no. And it would never, never, never have happened in either of you, mate. To be honest with you, it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't have happened. Well, at the end I, of the I know that with, with Sir Alex, it speaks for itself. But I'm talking about any dressing room. No, would you want, no. You no I, it, to me... If going on the on the discipline side of things, I wasn't really going to go down that route because I, I don't know much about. Obviously, we all we all have our inklings about what's going on, but we don't really know the real reason properly. Yeah. Um, so I, I wasn't going to go down that route. But if I'm if I'm in anywhere and, and you've got a manager in a football club, no matter if you're playing for Staley Bridge or you're playing for Man United, at the end of the day, you've got to respect the manager. You've got to respect the, you know the team around you. Um, if you're bringing ill discipline into that changing room, and then. A player thinks he's got that power to overturn what the manager said and wants the manager to apologise to him. That's a bad egg, mate, and that needs to go. It needs to go because once one person gets away with it, another person gets away with it, another person gets away with it. The young lads which are coming through the system see these so-called role models getting away with bollocks like that, for want of a better word, and it rings through the club. So you've got to, they've got to go on on that with that attitude no good for the first team it's no good for the younger lads it's no good for the club it's no good for the player it's no good for the you know what I mean for me the best thing what's happened is he's gone out of the club I was going to go just make it a lot more simple the way I would judge Jaden Sancho is on the football pitch and on the football pitch he has not done what I thought he was going to do um, simply not good enough when he's played like Anthony's not good enough when he's played you know and being brutally honest it's you can only judge him on what they do and for me, they've, they've, they've not been good enough. They've not tried hard enough. They've not showed enough quality when they've been on the pitch. And for that reason alone, I'm uh, I'm, I'm not disappointed that he's, he's still not with us, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, fair point, well made. Um, I'm doing the um, the guy from Royal Family there. Fair point, well made, Barbera. Um, Dan says, um, I'm disappointed that wasn't on over Christmas. Um, the only time a manager apologised to me was for not taking me off sooner. Very good, Dan. Very good. Um, all right, let's go Spurs quickly. Um, they had a pretty strong December, actually. Um, had a, an injury crisis of their own, which apparently, um, when it happens to other clubs, injury crises can get reported on in the press and it doesn't put a manager under pressure, but it happens at Manchester United. It's the manager's fault. Um, you know, they need a striker, it looks like. Sun looks like he's going to miss the game because he's um, captain uh, South Korea. Um, you know, United have got players back in training, but some of them, you know, shows an outside bet to be in the squad. Martinez and Casemiro look like they're a little bit off. Um, 
just come back to Richard's comment earlier on as well. Does he think? Do we think that the presence of Sergio Ratcliffe will be a genuine boost to the team? Fans will uh, think fans are saying it's a boost, so do the media. But Phil and Lee, as ex-pros, think it will be a factor. Um, you can factor all that into what I'm going to ask you guys. Um, I, I think for me personally, it depends on on what he does. If he tries to do a Michael Knight and then kick the ball into the net, then I don't think. A modern crowd will receive that very well. Would a modern crowd really receive um, a board member going onto the pitch? I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure the United crowd might want to see a little bit of um, action instead of presentation. Um, we'll see. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, the Ratcliffe thing, the game itself, um, Spurs are looking a little bit better than what they were. Um, Phil, I'll come to you first. What were you expecting on Sunday? Yeah, well, I'm expecting a tough game. I think, as you say, Spurs have been, um, you know, they've, they've, overall this year they've, they've done really well. They've been a, a massive um, sort of dark horse for me. I wasn't expecting, you know, after losing Harry Kane, I, I was expecting him to struggle, but they've, they've signed some really good players. Um, they've sort of rejigged the team a little bit and put that Pedro Porro in at full back, who I think is doing really well in there. Um, you know, he's, he's a great player, I think. And the the other full-back, is it Adoye or whatever his name yeah, is? Yeah, oh, he's good. I like them both, yeah. Um, really good. I think they've got a really good balance across um, the team now. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a tough game. I think, you know, we're, we're sort of, um, you know, going to go into that as underdogs for me, I think, because Spurs have, have sort of performed um, a lot more consistently. Um Although you know we, we we have still got um an opportunity and a chance to to beat them, the, you know they have dropped points at, at certain times against teams you wouldn't have expected to expected them to. So, you know we, we just have to turn up and and do the do the basics, which is just work hard, make sure you all put a shift in and and apply yourselves, and and you, you've got a chance. But um yeah, I I do worry because of the the sort of lack of consistency that we've shown over the season. Um, you know, you, you sort of get your hopes up a little bit, and you think that we're going to start a start a little run together, and and sort of, you know, it just slaps you in the face, and and we're sort of back to, to sort of reality. But um, yeah, optimistic, but again, it, it's it's there's there's not a, a massive part of me that that is sort of you know confident that we we can we can go there and and you know get a really good result because I just don't think we're at that point at the moment with with where we are. Hopefully with the injuries that are coming back, you know, another couple of weeks we get some of them players like uh, Casemiro and Martinez show back up to, to some speed and we, we, sh we should hopefully start seeing a little bit more consistency with the performance and getting that settled back for um, back together hopefully, which which will give us the platform then to, to sort of move forward. Yeah, um, Lee, it's a good point there. And, and, you know, the defeat against Spurs earlier in the season sort of summed up United for a lot of this season where they've played against a team where they've probably taken them for granted in a way. Um, you know, they thought oh, they might be a little bit easier to play against. Like Spurs were still getting used to life without Harry Kane and then we sort of didn't assert ourselves even though the game was there for us to do that. Seemed to be a massive attitude thing, and then we conceded a goal and collapsed. And we've seen that so many times this season. Um, and it, the ingredients are there for something similar, and that's where you want to see um, a different recipe from the United team. Basically, you know, all the things are there. You know, he said there's no sun, so they might have an easier time of it. But you, you kind of get the feeling if we're saying these kind of things, they feel like this the same kind of things that are in the United players' heads. And then it gets about half an hour in the game, they're coasting. They don't take advantage of a situation that's there for them to take advantage of. I mean, West Ham, uh, Forest lately, these games where they were there, they could have done it. They could have, like, if they had been assertive and taken advantage of the situation, they could have had comfortable results. And I'm not saying that that's the case on, on Sunday, but it's a similar kind of scenario that you set up for that. And then you've got a Spurs side who look very comfortable um, in terms of the direction under the new manager. Um, very adventurous as well, I should say. So they're going to come looking for a win. They're going to come knowing all that about United. Um, it's not one that we can take for granted. No, definitely not, mate. I, I, 
I was I'm a bit behind. I thought that we would have had a stronger squad available than what we've had in a long time. I thought that the vast majority of the players were going to be back um, for the game at the weekend. Um, I think that's got a massive that, that that's a massive factor in in the season so far that we've been so low on squad members. Um, you know, sometimes I've looked at the bench this season. And it's been hard to pick up anyone with any experience whatsoever. You know what I mean. Um, so it's 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 we need to get we need to get your likes of Casemiro's and your Martinez's back. Now, even if they are back fit, I wouldn't say that they possibly start because obviously they've had a long time out and they need to get match fit and things like that. Um, but I I had a, I had an inkling that the majority would be back in the squad um, this you know this weekend, um, even if you know. We started a, a team and it looked like it, it was dwindling off a little bit that we could have put some experienced players on. Uh, listening to what you just said there, I wasn't aware that Casemiro and Martinez were still a little bit off. Is that is that a definite? Yeah. Well, they're in training. They're off starting. Um, I would, you know, outside better the squad, I would I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I say, I think like Phil said, I think we, we will go into it as underdogs. Um and I think it's going to have to do with a lot with the manager, what formation he puts out, how he wants to go about it. Does he do what we did against Liverpool? Um, Realise that we're not as strong as them uh, and, you know, sit back and play for play for a draw and try and hit them on the counter attack. Uh, Gernaccio's in great form at the moment. Um, he can do something. I'm presuming they'll probably put Gernaccio wide and Rashford again. Um, is, he going to, is he going to sit back and hope for a break? Um, might be our best option. But then again, like you've mentioned, there's four, I believe there's about four or five Starters of Tottenham what are available, um, yeah. so they're weakened a little bit. So that's going to go into our favour. Um, it's just just not optimistic, mate. And like I said, we've we've not been optimistic all season, and there's nothing, there's nothing. Oh, they've not given us nothing to to change our minds yet. Have they? But getting a bit more optimistic, you know, we won against a League One opposition in Wigan, um, but again, it didn't. Like I said earlier, it didn't really prove anything. It didn't show anything. So no, I'm not optimistic, mate. Um, I just hope that we match them. In, with effort, um, and I hope that we keep it competitive. I think at the moment, with the, the you, you, you like to so your Arsenal's, your Liverpool's, your Tottenham's, your Cities, um, we just want to, we want to be competitive. We don't want to get run over. Um, and for me, if we can keep it competitive, draw, maybe nick a win, I'd be more than happy with that, Paul. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. If we nick a win, um, Dan says, um, I think the outcome will be similar to. Um, Villa Spurs play a high line. I never seen Ange change his tactic. It was the same with Celtic. If we can find a ball over the top, we should pick them off. Well, that's quite optimistic. Russ says, I don't understand. You see it this way. I'm not quite sure what you meant. Um, he said maybe he's talking about us being a little bit pessimistic. Uh, all in contention to be in the squad. Spurs do play high line, just like Villarisha to us. He's agreeing with Dan. Maybe that's the point, disagreeing with our um, pessimism. Well, hopefully, um, when we're back next week to talk about it, we're all um, got smiles on our faces. I'm quite happy to say that we were wrong um, to be pessimistic. Um, maybe we're just treating Spurs with a little bit more respect, considering the... Um, Concerns we've had. Uh, I, I, th- I think what it is when we are optimistic, we seem to get absolutely levered four and five nil, which I've done on many, many occasions in the past. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think when we do get a little bit of optimistic, we probably curb it a little bit because we've always got that thing in the back of our head where we're thinking, "Yeah, got bomb, bomb, especially now, man." We're going to smash them and they're going to go on a run, and then we seem to go on uh, a run where we get levered for three or four weeks. So I think that might be something to do with it. Yeah, like Phil said, Bournemouth fresh in the mind. I remember that almost wrote them off, and that's me. I'm quite normally the reserved one with that. Um, yeah. The um, the week of doom back in December. Um, there you go. Dan says, um, "Do you want a score prediction from me?" Well, no, I don't, Dan, because you normally get it way off. And um, <laughs> Russ says, I, "I don't think they have a centre back pairing." I, I've been a bit unfair with Dan there, but. Um, just not allowed um, to make predictions. I told him about this. No commenting about stuff on social media. Um, we're, anyway, we'll be back. Hopefully, in more positive mood next week to talk about the um, to, to talk about a win about against Spurs for United. If you've watched on uh, YouTube or Facebook Live, if, if you can and uh, subscribe, if you can like, if you can share the videos, I'll well, really appreciate that. If you're watching the replay, 
feel free to comment. We do reply to the comments. And if you are listening back on the audio podcast, if you can like and subscribe and uh, leave a review on the platform and listen on, we will be very much appreciative. We will be back next week, guys. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening and watching. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.